Hello, everyone, and welcome. We're delighted you've tuned in to NAMIC's Insurance Uncovered podcast, your source for insurance news and perspective from fault leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. This week's episode is sponsored by New England Asset Management. I'm your host, Kathy Imus, and today we're uncovering data privacy, the insurance industry's concern over proposed legislation attempting to create a national privacy standard. Plus, cybersecurity threats are on the rise. Namico's Laura Lindstrom explains the steps insurers can take to improve their defense against cyber criminals. But to kick things off today, the National Council of Insurance Legislators held its summer meeting this month, where a committee heard a discussion on the proposed insurance transparency model bill. The model was introduced by Indiana Representative Matt Lehman, who suggests there is a need for additional transparency in premium increases, underwriting, and rating decisions. Lehman also emphasized his belief that in light of increasingly complex rating and underwriting models, legislative and regulatory interest is only likely to grow, which in his view should encourage the industry to reach a workable position on an NCOIL model. NAMIC Assistant Vice President of State Affairs John Schnauts says the association is willing to address Lehman's concerns and desire for different disclosures, but he also noted the current version of the model has significant challenges. NAMIC certainly endorses the idea that accurate, transparent communication helps policyholders make good choices. The NCOIL proposal laid out at the July meeting, though, is problematic for several reasons. This disclosure, which would apply in a broad category of cases, would require insurers to disclose all primary factors being used in rating up to 10. That level of disclosure, if it is even possible, we think would be of little value to policyholders in relation to its cost and would also risk exposing proprietary information. NAMIC will continue to discuss alternatives with the NCOIL sponsor, and will make our concerns clear to the members of the Property and Casualty Insurance Committee. For his part, Lehman says it's his goal to have a model that could be adopted at the November NCOIL meeting. That means this model will be NAMIC's main NCOIL priority for the next several months. In the nation's capital, the U.S. House of Representatives advanced legislation that would create a national privacy standard for most sectors of the economy, including insurance. A markup to move the bill out of the House Energy and Commerce Committee passed last week by a vote of 53 to 2. Although the bill sent to the full House has positive features, NAMIC and industry allies remain opposed to the package, particularly the creation of a private right of action, the creation of a new FTC Privacy Bureau, and the inadequate preemption language. NAMIC and almost every other financial services interest group had communicated these concerns to lawmakers but to no avail. The path forward for this package remains uncertain, NAMIC will continue to lead the effort to ensure any new national data privacy regime properly acknowledges the property casualty insurance industry. President Biden has announced an executive order to combat the increasing effects of climate change. In addition to protecting communities from the impacts of extreme heat, lowering cooling and expanding offshore wind opportunities, 
The executive order also allocated $2.3 billion to FEMA's Building Resilient Infrastructure and Communities Program. You may recall NAMIC and the Build Strong Coalition worked to create the BRIC program back in 2018. NAMIC is very appreciative of the administration's efforts and the funding allocation to BRIC, which was more than doubled since 2021. The BRIC program is instrumental in prioritizing pre-disaster mitigation efforts at the state and local level that will ultimately play a critical role in saving property and lives in the wake of natural disasters and extreme weather events. Well, we've all heard frightening numbers when it comes to cybercrime, but did you know that ransomware attacks occur approximately every 11 seconds and cybercriminals are increasingly targeting small and mid-sized businesses? In fact, 66% of these businesses have experienced some form of cyber attack in the last year. That's according to a data breach research report by the Michigan-based Ponemon Institute. Unfortunately, those numbers aren't expected to decrease anytime soon. So on today's Unscripted, we take a deeper look into cybercrime. NAMIC CEO Neil Aldrich talks with NAMICO's Laura Lindstrom about steps insurers can take to improve their defenses against cybercriminals. Today on Unscripted, we're talking about cyber risk and the insurance industry. We often see the phrase, it's not if a company is going to have a cyber incident, it's when. Uh, we regularly see media stories about cyber liability and its impact on consumers. People are rightly concerned about their information and their data being in the hands of people that might cause them some sort of harm. So we're going to explore this today uh, from a little inside view here at NAMIC. NAMICO's own Laura Lindstrom is going to join us today to talk about steps that mutual insurance companies can take to mitigate their cyber risks a little bit about Namico cyber liability coverage as well. Uh, we're going to cover all that today. So, Laura, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Sure. So, you underwrite Namico's cyber liability product. So, tell us a little bit about the product, about your background here, what you've learned about the issue, those kinds of things. The majority of my career has been spent in underwriting professional liability. Um, in 2015, when I started at Namico, we saw a, a need for coverage for data breach exposures and um, I was tasked with creating that endorsement to fill the gap for our mutual companies and their agents. Um, became very interesting for me to watch the evolution of cybersecurity and cyber liability coverage and um, I love the challenge in mitigating new risks and providing protection to our policyholders. In 2018, I became involved in developing our cyber liability product, which is much more comprehensive coverage than the data breach endorsement we initially offered. So talk about some basic steps companies can, can do to mitigate some of these risks. I know two-factor authentic authentication is something that is common these days, although I did hear a presentation the other day that said that can even be problematic today. The, the hackers are finding ways around it. Uh, I suppose that's one of them. Employee education is another area that we hear a lot about. So just talk about some of those simple steps that companies can examine to mitigate some of their risks. Sure. Multi-factor authentication is actually extremely important. It requires users to provide two factors in order to gain access to the system. Those factors can include things such as the password required to get into the network. It can require um, something that you have, like your mobile device sends a ping and you approve it in addition to your password. Or it could also be facial recognition software or fingerprint software. 
uh, multi-factor authentication protects against many kinds of cyber risks, uh, phishing, social engineering, brute force password attacks. Multi-factor authentication prevents a user from gaining access to the system if they gain access to your credentials without that second factor. Right. We use it ourselves here at NAMIC, and uh, I know many companies use it as well. Um, it is very interesting. You know, this is far beyond the days when people used to use the password as their password, right? It requires a different level of security for certain. I actually read recently that the most common password is still one, two, three, four, five, six. I'll not reveal my password. <laughs> it's very complicated. But that brings me to another point about strong password use. Companies should be requiring their employees to regularly update passwords, not reuse passwords, having a strength... Um, indicator? Indi yes, a yeah. strength indicator. Yeah. And um, also, allowing. And something that Namek's done recently is providing employees with password management software, which allows us to create as complex passwords as we want to. And that also enhances the security of the company. Yeah, we don't have to remember ourselves now. We have a system that helps us remember the different passwords, and so yes. that's great. So talk a little bit about employee education here. You know, what kind of system, what do you recommend to companies? Are there certain tools that are better than others? I think that the most important thing about employee training is having employee training. A lot of organizations don't really see the importance of securing the information of their policyholders. And ultimately don't really have a culture of security. Implementing a training program, whether it's extremely robust or it's very simple, such as establishing policies that your employees read and agree to, it's, it puts into motion a culture where employees are thinking about security in the things that they're doing every day. Security is important to every action we take as an employee. And so putting the word out makes it more memorable and employees become more vigilant. Yeah, I think it's even more important today with so many employees working remotely in different situations that, that you create that culture that this is an important topic. It kind of carries with them you know, wherever they may be working rather than just in the office. That's, that's a really important point. Yeah, social engineering training is very important as well. It educates employees on how to inspect an email, inspect the links that are provided, the, sen the sender of the email, making sure that it's a legitimate link to click. It helps them to identify attempts for a phishing scam. Yeah, I got one yesterday. Uh, it was an email from some strange sender with an attachment, and we'll process this, you know, as soon as you tell, as soon as you respond to the email, kind of thing. It was obviously, you know, pretty obvious one that time. But they're more and more sophisticated all the time, and take some vigilance for sure. They are, and one of the things that organization can do for their employees is to start tagging external emails. Simply a notice on the email that says, "Hey, this is from outside our organization. You might want to be careful." And I think that that's just a nice little reminder to people to, hey, let's pay attention to what we're doing here. Yeah, that's a good point. So let's talk a little bit about the actual cyber liability insurance and, and it, it, the role it plays here for, for, for member companies and, and a little bit about the product and, and how Namico approaches it. I think that everyone, every organization is a technology company. Everyone's online, everyone has online servers or 
many are changing to cloud-based systems. And I think that a lot of our smaller mutuals don't necessarily identify as a technology company in their minds, but ultimately they do have cyber liability risks. And it's important for, for them to understand those risks. And I think part of what NAMIC Insurance Agency and NAMIC Co. do is help provide education and background about why security protocols are important and the types, providing the type of coverage that is necessary to protect the assets of the company. Yeah, it, we hear more and more stories of companies, regardless of size, you know, having ransomware events or whatever the case might be, disruption of service events. And so the, the insurance product is play a vital role in helping them put things back together should they need it. Yes, and the, the policy itself provides such robust coverage. There are lots of incidents that could be covered under a cyber policy. A cyber liability policy covers a lot of cyber-related events. It provides coverage for phishing scams, ransomware, business interruption due to unscheduled outages, could be related to ransomware, may not be related to ransomware. There are um, issues with data breach where someone may accidentally leave a list of customers laying someplace public that can be picked up by anyone. Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't necessarily have to be an internet or hacker related issue. Um, people make mistakes. They send out lists of, of customer information to the wrong recipient, or they may publish something on a website that they shouldn't have. Um, there are lots of exposures that can be covered by a cyber liability policy that really could be um, eliminate the issue of asset exposure. So Laura, the cyber liability product has changed over the years. You mentioned that early on, it was about data breach specifically, and now it's evolved to broader kind of coverage. So how has it changed and what do you see maybe coming in the next couple of years on that front? Uh, the evolution of cyber insurance has occurred as increased reliance on technology has happened. There's a growing number of security regulations that companies must follow. There's a shift of crime from a physical basis to an online basis. And cyber criminals have been focusing on exploiting those vulnerabilities. As organizations move from a fully physical work environment to a fully remote work environment, exposures change. So there have been a lot of occurrences and evolution during the COVID pandemic. And I think that um, as technology continues to evolve, we're going to see more and more changes in the cyber landscape, not just with exposures, but also with the coverage that's available to policyholders. I expect that carriers will continue to increase premiums, tighten underwriting guidelines, and look to restrict or even sublimit certain coverage areas as those claim amounts continue to rise. Yeah, I think you're right. I know the claims cost issue is a concern for the industry. Uh, you hear about the hidden cyber dangers that may exist that companies don't know that they are exposed to, and, and certainly the regulatory side is also examining uh, the potential risk here. So that's it's certainly an evolving topic as it relates specifically to the actual coverage and, and you know what regulators may say about it as well. Laura, thanks for all your work here on this topic and thanks for the work at Namico providing this kind of coverage for member companies. Um, I know it's a topic that is 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 evolving 
seemingly daily. Uh, and I know there's more to come here, but I know the members are certainly interested in it. We get questions about it. Namico gets questions about it routinely. So thanks for joining us today, and thanks for your work on this. It's an important topic for us. Thank you for having me. And that's all for this week's episode of Insurance Uncovered. A special thank you again to our sponsor, New England Asset Management. We'll be back again on August 10th with more insurance news, and we hope you'll join us then. Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a great day.